Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Friday, September 17th. Week two has kicked off with a what actually I think ended up being a very good game between the Washington football team and the New York Giants. Got Dennis, got Matt here. We're going to recap the Thursday night football game and then preview the entire week two NFL slate. Before we jump into that, though, we do need to say we are proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can type in hashtag TPPN on Twitter and you will see all of us as we hashtag that. You can see all the different podcasts. It is a great group to be a part of. Football, baseball, soccer, hockey, fantasy, it's got it all. Check them out. We are proud to be a part of them. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this beautiful Friday? You know, i am got my Friday scarlet and gray on, getting ready for the Buckeyes to get their shit together against Tulsa. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing good. Work's been busy. Life's been busy. Yeah, same. It's it's nice to be Friday. Uh, you know, you got to be careful too when you're doing a million things, returning text messages. I just narrowly avoided accidentally sending the kiss kissing emoji to my boss instead of the laughing crying face. Well, you know, I mean, depending on what your relationship with HR is, you might be able to get away with it. Uh, the HR director is in that group chat, so I guess I would have <laughs> found out right away. Yeah. You know, funny funny story on that before we get into the Thursday thing. That just recently happened to me where I was texting back and forth with my wife and a customer 
who happens to be a female. And I was going back and forth between the two of them talking about an issue they were having with some stuff with one of our accounts and then my wife back and forth. And then I did not realize I didn't switch back to the other text message. like, all right, well, I love you. And I sent it to my customer and I was like, oh, dear God, I am so sorry. I was like, that was not meant to be. She's like, no, it's cool. I love you too, like platonically. I was like, thank you for taking that in stride and handling this well because I was not looking forward to a couple probably unpaid days off. So I, yeah. I appreciate it. It can't be any worse than me uh, messaging Liz Lowe's on Twitter to do me. And I was asking her to do me a favor and contact me. You know? Right. Yeah. So I get it because I was trying to interview her for an article. Yeah. <laughs> so we've all narrowly avoided being canceled this week. Yes. Or, yeah. No, it's that, was, that, was, where, that was in the spring, I think, but. We are luckily still here. So let's talk a little bit about the Thursday night football game. Uh, the Washington football team won 32-29 on a last-second field goal where they got a second chance due to offsides by uh, Lawrence for the Giants. The Giants offense, though, moved the ball well at times. Another big game for Sterling Shepard. Are you worried at all about Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay, Matt? Galladay was interesting. They definitely targeted him plenty. He got eight targets. He uh, dropped a couple, not as egregious as Darius Slayton's uh, wide open drop in the end zone. Um, I don't know if you you guys saw, obviously, a little bit of a shouting match uh, on the sideline between him and Daniel Jones, more like him shouting at Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, I thought, handled that really well, played it off. Shepard did too, but they're clearly not uh, quite in sync. Uh, and it's not great for them starting off 0-2. Barkley, he had one really nice run. He looked okay. They mentioned before the game he was sore coming back on a short week. So I still think they're being cautious. But I'm now thinking it might be week you know, five or six before we start seeing some of the bigger performances. I think they are going to bring him along slowly. Yeah, with Galladay, I mean, it's... Was he yelling? You know, everybody's like, oh, he's yelling at you. He was just yelling. He was frustrated. You know, it was, I, I believe, Daniel Jones and that is being made more of a big deal. Uh, Galladay understands that, you know, of the five targets he didn't catch, a couple were clearly on him. And I'd be frustrated if I dropped dropped him too. A couple of them, Jones just missed him. So, you know, there are a couple, and a couple times Jones went other places with the ball when Galladay was open. They, you know, Galladay missed almost all of camp. They, they don't have chemistry. It takes some time. We've seen it time and again when a wide receiver changes teams that they struggle at first when they get there. And, and you know, we've seen DeAndre Hopkins have success. You know, when you're elite, Stephon Diggs, when you're an elite guy, you, you can change teams and usually, you know, not miss a stride. When you're in that next tier, two, three tiers down, it takes some time to adjust. You're, you're not as high a priority. Galladay is their guy. He's, you know, he looked, he's looked good. He just needs to, you know, get it all put together, get the timing down with Jones, um, you know, get, they need to get more cohesive as a team until they're, They've got Saquon Barkley back in the offense 100%. I think they're going to, you know, there's going to be some fits and starts with this team. But Jones looked good. He he looked like Lamar Jackson running the ball sometimes. That that hold on C.J. Board on that touchdown, that was a, man, that sucked. I, 
But it, it's, you know, Barkley has given us what we expected, too. Anybody that expected him to come out week one, 25 carries, 110 yards, and six receptions for 50 yards was fooling themselves. You drafted Barkley for the second half of the season. Just relax. You probably don't have better options. Just relax. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Barkley. I mean, if, if you drafted him just for weeks one and two, then that's kind of on you. I mean, Barkley is still going to be, I think, a running back one overall throughout the season. He looked really good on that 46-yard run. We've got to give him some time. I mean, he literally tore his ACL like a year ago. It was in week two last year. Not every player comes back after four months or three weeks like Adrian Peterson did. You know, there are, as, as godlike as Saquon Barkley looks, he is a human being. Like, let's give him some time. I thought he looked really good on that 46-yard run. I think he's closer and closer to getting back. Now he's got 10 more days to kind of relax. I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, don't see a really big game out of him week three. I'm not worried about him. Galladay, I'm not worried about him, but I feel like while Galladay is – supposed to be the guy that's why they paid him i think sterling shepherd is the guy for daniel jones so that does worry me a little bit about galladay because what made him so good in detroit was the volume he would get from matthew stafford he's not a guy who creates elite separation he relies on those contested catches and we saw a couple times in that game last night that i saw Daniel Jones doesn't always put it in like the best area for Galladay to go up and get it. He puts it to where like on that slant, he threw it right into Galladay's chest and gave the defender a chance to knock it away. Where if you put it up, the defender can't stick with Galladay. Galladay's got the the, the height on him. He can jump up and get it. Uh, and I do think Galladay was a little bit upset with on that play um, where he threw it to Darius Slayton, which he should have caught anyways, wide open in the uh, in the end zone. Uh, and he dropped it right off his hands. Galladay was wide open as well. Um, I think that's probably where Galladay was a little bit frustrated and just like, I was wide open, probably would have caught that. I think he would have scored on that play too because there was just nobody uh, around him. So I get him being frustrated though, right? I mean, didn't get to play much last year because of the injuries, dealt with the hamstring injury a little bit. Now he's going out there and, you know, we, we talk about this. I know we've talked about it before with these players. They get these big deals and Galladay doesn't seem like the guy who's trying to rest on his laurels. I think he feels the pressure of wanting to go out there and produce getting that big money deal. And I'm sure that it's kind of frustrating knowing, Hey, like I'm getting open. You're just not getting me the ball. So, you know, it happens the heat of the moment. We've all seen players do it. I mean, Tom Brady will, you know, cuss you and your mother out for dropping a pass. And then he gets, he gets a pass on everything because he's the goat. But I, I, I don't, I don't really see an issue uh, with what happened with Galladay at all. I, I don't understand why, if anybody had an issue with it, on uh, Washington's side, um, they rallied back for a huge win here. Terry McLaurin, I think, proves it, it, he is a top 10 wide receiver in the league right now with just how good of a route runner he is and how he can produce no matter who the quarterback is. Uh, but the main question we have, Dennis, should we be worried about Antonio Gibson? I mean, you know, Ron Rivera unnecessarily, I think, pumped up fantasy owners this year by saying he was going to be their CMC. He is not getting any receptions at all right now. And you kind of need those to be CMC. I think if you were expecting him to be top four, top five, yeah, you probably should be worried. But if you were expecting him to be somewhere between, you know, eight and 16, I think you're, you should be just fine. He's going to do a good job running the ball. And when he gets the opportunity, he catches the ball. Uh, you know, People like to harp on the fact that, well, he was a receiver in college. Why aren't you using him in the pass game? Because there's two aspects of the passing game. One is catching the ball and running the routes, 
the other is blocking. And since he was always out wide running routes at the wide receiver position in college, he might not be quite as well versed in the blocking schemes of the, you know, the hurry up offense and the two minute offense as somebody like J.D. McKissick. I think we saw the limitations with J.D. McKissick on that one pass down the sideline because there's no doubt in my mind that that defensive back angle or not would not have caught Antonio Gibson going down the sideline. Yeah. McKissick looked like Ron Say of the Dodgers from the 70s running down. You know, they used to call him the Penguin. It was like he was just waddling down that sideline. But I know McKissick is going to be serviceable as a flex guy all season. And, and Gibson is going to be top 20. Yeah, I think the only concern that I have is, um, you know, we pro- we thought Washington would run more than they did last night. I think he only had uh, 13 carries. Gibson, um, that just ends up being game flow. But where where it is a little concerning to me is the difference between being kind of a elite or rock solid RB1 and being a guy who could be in the mix or more of an RB2 is Gibson doesn't seem to have any role in two minute offense. And it doesn't matter. I, I get what you're saying about blocking, but if you were watching those plays, I didn't see McKissick stand to block once they were sending him out, uh, to catch passes they used him as with the running back in there it just seems like in the two minute situations or the hurry up offense gibson's not out there and i don't know if it's that he doesn't have a grasp of it yet or they just like what mckissick can do so if you get into a game like what we had last night where there was quite a few two minute situations or hurry up situations or needing to move the ball gibson comes off the field and that's you can't score points if you're not on the field yeah i think that's my big as well i mean we i had him very high I'm almost positive i had him in my top 10 at running back or possibly even top eight and a lot of that was i expected him to get more receptions now he did get yeah. some in week one but he didn't get any here i, I don't know if maybe that's also two two in two this game last yards. night yeah Okay, so I don't know how much of that, too, is Heineke continuing to work into the offense because there was a couple times last night that Gibson was wide open and and Heineke just refused to check it down, where I think Ryan Fitzpatrick would have had no problem doing that, which is another reason why I was so high on Gibson. I think they'll still come. Obviously, McKissick, though, is going to be a little bit of a thorn in our side. I agree with Dennis. On that wheel route, Gibson's not getting caught. That's a touchdown. So that just frustrates you a little bit as a Gibson owner, me, I should say Gibson, uh, someone who rosters Gibson, uh, because you're, you're hoping that that's going to be him who ends up getting that and, and going for a touchdown. So I, I still think he's going to be fine at the end of the day, but you're, you're going to, I think you have to dial back expectations a little bit with the way that they continue to use McKissick. Cause I agree. He's not, he's not going away at all. All right, let's talk about the – what's up? You were say something. Say, man, you're just killing it with the graphics. Oh, well, you know, that's not mine. Someone else made that. Got I just – I just I took it you're from them. You're killing it with the, the buttons to play yeah. the graphics. Yeah, that's that's what I do. I did I did the fancy little two ones up there, and I'll have something for next week's show. I didn't have time to uh, to get it done today. But that stuff, now. that's not me. I won't, I won't take credit for that. 
All right, let's uh, let's kick it off with the Cincinnati Bengals at the Chicago Bears. Matt, what are we expecting from the passing game here with the Bengals? Jamar Chase looked good in week one. Do you think he has an even bigger week this week? Are we dialing back expectations? What are your thoughts? Yeah, the Bears' um, defense isn't bad. I'll be curious to see if they can put more pressure on Burrow and if that limits his time because you would think uh, Khalil Mack and the crew might be a little bit more intimidating than what they got from Minnesota. But I reflected watching them on Sunday night. The Bears' back end of their defense uh, was not great. Um, You know, they let Van Jefferson fall on the ground, get up and run for 14 more yards for a touchdown. Uh, I thought – you know, week one, we have a little bit of rust, a little bit of working into game shape and chemistry between Chase and Burrow, but we didn't. Chase had over 100 yards and a touchdown. I think he continues to shine. T. Higgins look good. I think they'll get Boyd involved. I think they're going to need to throw. I think they're going to be good. Yeah, I, you know, Chase played 90% of the snaps. Higgins and Boyd both 74%. So their base offense is, is you know, 11 personnel. They're running it with Mixon. They're going to hammer him. Uh, I I liked the, uh, you know, the somebody who was going to get open on that defense. It happened to be Chase this time. Um, you know, clearly he can catch the ball just fine. The, uh, the wide receivers in Cincinnati, I'm not worried about any of them. So I'm comfortable. Wherever you had Chase, where, wherever you believed he was, Keep, keep him there. He's, you know, you don't need to, I don't think you need to move him up, but I also don't think you need to worry about the the volume. There's going to be volume in that offense. It'll, it wouldn't surprise me, like Matt said, if, if it's a little bit of a shorter game this week against the Bears because of the better pass rush. But I do think that they, they have the ability to get open. All three of those wide receivers are great pass, pass route runners. Yeah, I actually think it's going to be Chase. I just – I think he's the better player out of the three. I, I honestly think maybe we should dial back expectations for Boyd a little bit more. He was a guy that we thought might get because he'll be in the slot, that he'll be a little bit more sneaky of a play. I think it's going to be Chase and Higgins all day long. I mean, Higgins is just so good that I, I think he's going to continue to be just fine. But I think Chase is going to be good. I, I would – uh I haven't, our dynasty rankings on the website haven't gone up yet, but I've moved him into my top 15. He was just outside of that uh, beforehand. I think he's going to be really good. I had him pretty high this week in my wide receivers as well. While I do think that the Bears defense is good, I I think they're going to be able to stop mixing a little bit, I think. And I I think they're going to have to rely on the passing game a little bit more. Dennis, for the Bears side here, we saw a little bit of Justin Fields in week one. Do you expect us to see more of him in week two? Fields played, what, five plays in week one. It was like 7% of the snaps. You know, he scored a touchdown. It was, uh, he was clearly an exciting player. I expect that it's going to, is it going to be considered a stretch if he doubles his playing time this week, plays 10 snaps? Probably not. Uh, It it feels like they have an idea when they're probably going to, Put fields, uh, install fields as the starter. And Nagy, whether it's right or wrong, he's going to go ahead and stick with that. They're going to let Dalton play against the Bengals and, and run the show against the Bengals because he was there for so long. Uh, 
But yeah, I, I think we'll see more fields, but it might only be seven, eight, nine plays. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets another touchdown, either through the air or running the ball. Fields, fields looks good. And I, I get you want to play to your veteran and let him get the quote unquote revenge game. But man, get Fields in there. Let's let's get a move on. Yeah, sadly, you're not the coach of the Bears. Um, I don't. I think Matt Nagy's going to use him in special packages and a couple of plays like we saw in Week One. Um, but I, you know, I, I actually think that the Bears will end up winning this game, which is even more of a blow because you know if Dalton looks decent and they win the game, it could be even longer before they make a switch. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to win convincingly. I think this is the last time we see Dalton as a starter. I do expect to um, see a little bit more of Fields, uh, but I, I think you got. I don't want to say you have to throw Andy Dalton out there, but I think you got to give him the chance to go out there one more time. See, he did not look great, but I also don't think he lost them the game against the Rams. They looked a lot better, at least for the first three quarters, before things kind of went off the rails a little bit for him. Uh, so I think you've got to give him one more game. But yeah, I, I think. Fields is going to take over. I've been saying since the beginning week three, so I'm not going to change that now. I think by week three, Fields is going to take over uh, and be the guy. So Dalton will get some run this week. Matt, it seemed like you were leaning toward the Bears there with your last statement. Is that who you're picking to win the game? I'm picking the Bears. Bears for me as well. As am I, but close. I don't think that they run away with it. Next up, the Houston, the one and O Houston Texans at the O and one Cleveland Browns. Dennis, the Texans look good in Week One. Does it continue? You had Mark Ingram as the guy to watch out for in this backfield for for Week One, and you were right. Do you think that continues in Week Two? I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. Um, David Johnson is clearly the JD McKissick of the Houston Texans. They're going to use him on passing downs. Uh, Ingram. Yeah, I think it comes down to what the game script is going to give Houston. Tyrod Taylor's a serviceable quarterback, and he's not going to play scared, and he's not going to play stupid. So he's going to try to put them in the best play to win on, on any given down. That being said, I, I may, you know, Ingram and Lindsey, it seemed like. Johnson played passing downs, Ingram played running downs, and Lindsey uh, was the one who spelled Ingram. Uh, what, did I, what did I write here? Let's see. Forty, But Ingram only played 46% of the snaps, 28 for Johnson, 26 for Lindsey. But Ingram just dominated the carries. So when he was in there, he was getting it. Uh, but he only had one target, uh, three catches on four targets for Johnson, uh, one catch on two for Burkett and no catches on one target for Lindsay. So Lindsay carried the ball eight times to Johnson's three. I, I think it's going to be more of the same as long as they're not just – if they're 20 points down and they're throwing it all over the place, then I think Ingram is going to be out. Uh, but until – you know, if they're within 10 points, I still think you see a lot of Mark Ingram. Yeah, I don't think the Texans' offense is going to be quite as prolific this week. If it's a positive game script, you probably do get Ingram in there kind of pounding it away. We forget that David Cawley had uh, more experience with Ingram, having them both come from uh, from the Ravens, so he'd seen them. Maybe there's a bit more of a, a trust there. I wish Philip Lindsay would have a bigger role, but uh, no. 
that's just because I like him. But I think both these teams will want to run. Uh, I, I just don't think the Texans will have as much success this week. Yeah, I mean, despite the Browns giving up, you know, what felt like 10,000 yards in one game to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, they did a really good job containing the run. And I think that will continue this week. I would not play any Texans running back if I could afford to. I do think Mark Ingram, though, has to be the guy right now just based on what he showed you. I I actually think as much as I hate to say this, I I might put Lindsey third based on the way they use David Johnson in the receiving game a little bit. And I think they're going to be behind. So I actually think Johnson could be a worthy flex play as well in this one if they end up having him out there on enough passing plays and, and throwing him the ball. While I think Lindsay at this point is probably the most talented of the three, it just doesn't seem like he is going to be getting the ball, unfortunately. Matt, on the Brown side here, uh, what are we expecting from the offense this week? We know that Odell is out again, and I'll be honest, I was you pointed this out, and I kind of went against it. I'm honestly starting to get a little bit worried about Odell. We can address that after this question, though. What are your thoughts on the Browns' offense? You expect it to be uh, high-flying, run game, passing? What, what are you thinking right now? I think we saw a pretty good model of what they were going to do against the Chiefs. If it works against the Chiefs, I see no reason why it wouldn't work against the Texans. I think the heart of their offense is that backfield with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I also think Baker's doing a great job of spreading the ball around. They used Jarvis Landry. They used a couple of the other receivers. They like Schwartz for, it seems like, for deep shots. Be curious to see if Njoku has a a decent-sized role uh, again this week. Um, You know, I know... Trevor Lawrence managed to hit one of their tight ends for a touchdown. And I don't think Jacksonville has anything to write home about a tight end to like the way the Browns do. So that, that gives me a, a good feeling about those guys, but the Browns were doing really great and had a little bit of bad luck last week. I think they keep the same formula and get a win this week. There will be no Chris Manhurt slander on this show. I didn't slander him. I just said he may not be at the same level as Hooper and Joku. That's that's enough slander. <laughs> now, the, the Browns, I think because of, I, I think the game script is going to be pretty positive for the Browns here. I won't be the least bit surprised if Hunt and Chubb both rush for 100 yards. Um, I'm probably more curious to see what happens with Schwartz because it sounds like th- that he really wasn't in the game plan. And then last minute, Odell says, you know what, I just don't think I'm ready. And... and that's why this week Stefanski basically said, "If you need to tell me today if you're going to be able to play Sunday. And if you can't say yes, then I'm going to rule you out because I don't like not being prepared. And, and so, I mean, what was it? Peoples-Jones played 80% of the snaps and Schwartz 53. I was surprised Schwartz played so much more than Rod Higgins, uh, Richard Higgins at only 7%. So, that to me was puzzling. I would think that uh, Schwartz is going to have a role if Odell is out, but I don't know that it's going to be five targets uh, like it was last week. And, you know, a couple of those, you know, Schwartz was, he, he was Mike Tysoning the ball, man. He was fighting it all the way in. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't feel like a natural catcher to me. Um, he struggled with it a little bit. So I feel like people's Jones is going to pop off a little bit. Jarvis will do what Jarvis does, you know, 12 targets, 10 catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, I, it, I I love David Njoku, man. I wish we could get that David Njoku every week, though. 
I mean, we've seen the flashes of it. He just kept getting hurt. That I think that's the issue last year. Like with uh, those first couple of games with Stefanski, he looked good, and then Baker threw that ball too high on him, and the defender undercut him, and he broke his wrist, and he just kind of didn't look the same after that. I, I think if he stays healthy, we could see that in Joku all season. I actually think Schwartz might get a lot of play again this week. I mean, you mentioned it. Donovan Peoples-Jones was out there a ton. He just wasn't getting targeted, and I think they're using Schwartz the way they want to use Beckham. I don't know if there's a lot of passing volume in this game. I hope I'm wrong because I have a lot of shares of Baker as my QB2 in some Superflex leagues, and I think this is the perfect game for him to kind of pad the stats a little bit. But I think just because of how bad Houston's run defense is, I think we're going to see a lot of Chubb and a lot of Hunt, uh, and I think those two are going to be kind of the guys to uh, to really win you your weeks this week for the Browns. I wouldn't be surprised if we see less than – 300 yards. I wouldn't be surprised to see like 250 yards passing for Baker and a touchdown, maybe two. I, I, cause I also don't think this game's going to get out of hand. I, I don't think this is going to be like a 35, 14 game for the Browns. I think it's going to be, you know, 28 to seven. The Browns just kind of controlling the clock with the run game and the defense. I don't think it's going to, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Houston scores more than that, but I, I don't think it's going to be like a, a, a big blowout game. The, the one thing that worries me about Odell that I mentioned is, so this was about a year as well that he got injured. I'm pretty sure it was week two last year that that happened to him or it week was three. Week was seven it, or eight. Was it that late in the yeah, year? It was, it's the end of our Okay, well, so that worries me even more because it wasn't just the ACL, right? It was the meniscus. And we've seen Saquon has struggled to get back a little bit from that. And we're not even a year away from Odell then having that injury. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually don't see Odell for a couple weeks. It's the fact that, and maybe you're right, Dennis, maybe it was something where he went, Stefanski went to Odell and said, hey, look, I've got to get a game plan together for Houston. Do you think you can go? And then him say no. But very rarely do you see coaches rule a player out that early in the week, especially when we thought, I mean, I I talked about it. I listened to Stefanski's press conference, I think, on Monday. And he made it sound like, oh, or no, it was when he ruled him out. I was like, oh, yeah, he was pretty much ready to go. We wanted to give him one more week. And the more I think about it, I'm like, if he was that close to be ready to go, why wouldn't you let him give it a shot on Sunday morning like you did last week? And then if he can't go, he can't go. You rule him out. So I, I'm just a little worried about him. I hope he gets out on the field because I want to see Odell in this offense. I think what we saw out of Anthony Schwartz, and I agree with Dennis, he looked, I mean, he should have had a touchdown. He was wide open, and he fumbled that ball and ended up falling to the ground. That may change the game. And if that's Odell, I think that's an easy touchdown back in, I think it was the second or third quarter of that game against the Chiefs. So, so I, I'm, his, his ACL tear was October 25th. So, I mean, you're still over a month away from it being a year from that injury. So I, I am a little bit worried about how quickly we may see Odell back. Um, and I do think that will change the offense. But as long as he can get back healthy, I think they've got plenty of time to get that the, the kinks worked out. So, you know, I was hoping that Odell was going to be out there early. Maybe we won't see him for a couple more weeks. We'll see. Uh, that all being said, and I do this begrudgingly because I feel like this is a trap game, but I just can't imagine the Browns go to 0-2, so I'm picking them to win this game. Uh, Dennis, who are you taking? I'm taking the Browns. I'm also taking the Browns. 0-2, here we come. All right, the Los Angeles Rams play the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Rams 1-0, Colts 0-1. Matt, do you think we see more of Sony Michelle this week? We know that the Rams traded for him, but we talked about last week and prior to as well, 
Rams offensive playbook is rumored to be very hard to get to learn with the way McVay runs his offense. And all in all honesty, with the way Darrell Henderson looked against the Bears, do we even need to see Sony Michelle? Yeah, I think we might see him for a handful of snaps, but I don't expect him to have a, a huge role. I wouldn't be surprised if you know they maybe do one or two heavy goal line packages, but they're a you know, they're gonna be a pass focused offense. Seattle just beat the Colts by having a pretty strong passing offense. Russell Wilson went and threw for four touchdowns. I think Stafford's going to be able to do that with Cup and Woods and Higby. And Darrell Henderson is healthy for the time being. I think he's going to get the carries. Yeah, it's, you know, Stafford has spent his whole career in Detroit um, virtually without a great running back. You know, I think that, that him and Barry overlapped at the end of Barry's career, I think. Maybe I don't remember. It sucks getting old. But uh, other than that, you know, I don't think Stafford has really had a bell cow back. I don't know that Daryl Henderson is that either. So Stafford is like, oh, well, it's, just, it's what I've been doing for 10 years. So he's got Woods and he's got Cup, and him and Cup have developed a nice little uh, – relationship after one week Higby it was like this is the Tyler Higby breakout we all wanted so I don't know that I there's no rush to get Sony Michelle on the field yeah he's not a difference making talent um, at this point in his career he's a guy that whose biggest I guess the, what he brings to the table is He's going to get you the tough yard if you need a yard, but he's not going to get you a lot more uh, at this stage of his career with the way that knee is tore up. Um, he, he's, he's a hard player. He'll pick up the blitz, uh, probably a little better than Henderson just because he's got a little more mass. But until he knows what his assignment is, uh, I think, uh, like Matt said, it's going to be some reluctance on McVay's part to put him out there. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, and I, I, you know, I said it with Cam Akers when he was a rookie. We saw a lot with Darrell Henderson when he was a rookie. It seemed to take like six, seven, eight weeks before they started to really get integrated in that offense. I, I said when the trade happened, I didn't think Sonny Michelle was going to be that big for the Rams early on. I think that continues. We may see a little bit of him, but I think it's going to be the Henderson show unless he gets injured. Dennis, with, uh, what, what do you think we will see from Michael Pittman and or Paris Campbell, who both, I believe, have been ruled questionable now as well, so there's a chance that they may not play? Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. You hate those late-week ads to the uh, injury report. Um, you know, it seems like Carson Wentz's new best friend is Zach Pascal, and it, it's and that and checking down to the running back. So it, it, it was like, man, this offense is a you know, Michael Pittman breakout season is going to be hard to come by if Zach Pascal keeps hogging targets and then uh, Wentz keeps checking down to Taylor. On the other hand, if I can get Jonathan Taylor to get 20 carries and five receptions a game, I'm all for that. Um, you know, I'm starting to feel like the ship has sailed on Paris Campbell. My Buckeye love is strong, um, but I think that he's just, you know, some people just aren't made to get hit. And I feel like Paris, whenever he gets healthy, he, he tweaks something. There are those players 
that can play through just about anything and those players that can't. And it's starting to seem like Paris Campbell is one of those guys that if there's even the slightest of twitch in any muscle anywhere on his body, he's doubtful. Yeah, and I, that and the other thing about Jonathan Taylor and Neheim Hines getting so many targets is that was kind of a space in a role where we thought either a tight end or Paris Campbell could emerge, and it seems like they're going a little bit of a different way. The Rams, uh, the strength of their defense is probably in the back end, linebackers and secondary. They commented on Sunday Night Football last week that the Rams' defensive structure almost dares you to run, so I would suspect, just like the Bears, David Montgomery was the most successful part of their offense, and then they've also got quite a few nice checkdowns to Damian Williams. I think we're going to see the running backs again be the heavy focus for the Colts. Yep, I, I agree. I think it's going to be the Jonathan Taylor and Hines show. I'm not quite out on Campbell yet. I still think he's got a shot. Uh, obviously, we saw him really good in that week one last year and then was getting targeted heavily in week two before he got hurt. Now, obviously, that was with Phillip Rivers. Uh, but Carson Wentz has consistently kind of targeted that short uh, to intermediate area, usually the tight ends. They don't really have a good tight end for Indy. I think that can be Paris Campbell, but we do need he, – he can't do that if he's not on the field. So we do need to see him on the field. I don't know. I called the Pascal game last week. I don't think he's going to be that good this week. I think it is going to be someone else, but I don't trust playing Pittman uh, or Campbell, unfortunately, because I just don't Does know what's Pascal going on with get, those. Uh, Jalen Ramsey? Probably. I mean, why wouldn't he? He's the best player on the on their wide receiver court right now, I would say. But I think Pittman's more talented, but he hasn't shown anything. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, but I, I think it's going to be very heavily Taylor and Hans. Matt, who are you picking to win this game? I'm taking the Rams. Oh, I can't see. Let's see. Who did I pick? I picked the Rams. I am taking the Rams as well. That's three clean sweeps. There's no way that this that that's going to be right. We're going we're going to be wrong on well, one of these. Well, we definitely aren't sweeping the next one because I've already seen Dennis and I don't have the same team. Next up, the zero and one Bills versus the one and zero Miami Dolphins. Uh, Dennis Zach Moss was a surprise healthy scratch in week one. We are hearing reports now that Sean McDermott is saying he will be active for week two. Does that matter? Well, you know, who was it? Uh, where's my notes? Let's see. Elena Getzenberg uh, reported that McDermott uh, said Moss was held out for health concerns. So something came up. I don't know what it is. I haven't found anything that said what it is. Um, but for me, you know, Singletary went in and played pretty good. So I think McDermott's at the point where if if Moss can't go, Moss can't go. Who's the other cat they got there? Antonio Matt, Williams. Matt Breida. Well, no, and they've got the – Antonio – is Antonio Williams? So yeah, he's – I believe he he's in the week fourth string. Last, he was yeah, like he's the fourth string last year and scored like 35 fantasy points, something like that. So, you know, they've got some quality backups. I think what Williams brings that Breda doesn't is size. So if they need to get a tough yard and they're not going to run it with Josh Allen, you know, Williams can do that. Breda and Singletary are both smaller backs. But I think Singletary showed that, you know, in the game plan they run, he was perfectly capable of, of putting up points. 
Yeah, that's the thing. We saw they weren't a high-volume rushing offense last week. I don't think they will be again. Dolphins have a decent defense, even if Moss is active. Singletary got a lion's share of the work last week and still only managed to be running back 29. I'm not playing Moss until I see a reason to do it. Yeah, there is no reason to play Moss. Now, of course, he's going to go out there and score like 20 points. He's going to get like three touchdowns. But I, I, I'm with you. There's no reason to play him right now until he shows – uh, that he will be the lead back, which a lot of us thought that he would be based on Singletary's just kind of inability to separate himself over the past couple of years. But I've got to see it. I mean, if if you're putting him in your lineup, you're taking like the, you know, you're hoping to to hit a home run here with, with that because I, I don't think that that's a smart move. Will Fuller is out for a personal issue, Matt. Does that impact the passing attack for the Dolphins? And are you worried at all about Mike Gesicki? Yeah, I think the biggest bummer for the Dolphins is, you know, the reason they brought in all these receivers, Will Fuller would have given them a field stretching element, which could have loosened things up. The Bills have a pretty decent defense. They're probably going to be coming in hot uh, after losing that week one game to Pittsburgh. Mike Gusecki, I do have concerns because last week he seemed an afterthought in the passing game. Um, We wondered, you know, did did he have better numbers the last couple of years because of the dearth of passing options. Now you've got Miles Gaskin, who's out there catching balls. Jalen Waddle looked pretty good. They still have Devontae Parker. Eventually they're going to get Will Fuller back in the mix. I am getting concerned. If I have Mike Kosicki, I don't think he's a lock to be a tight end one. Yeah, I mean, Durham Smith played a substantially more snaps. But Smythe, Kosicki, I think, right? Yeah. I'm American. Um, but uh, he played substantially more snaps, but he ended up with one one fewer target. Uh, let's see, Smythe played 70% versus Gesicki's 39. I mean, it could be a Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst situation in the offing where, you know, Hurst out-snapped Andrews by a lot, but Andrews was the pass catcher. And for whatever reason, some weeks, you know, you lay an egg. Uh, I was listening to the Dynasty Nerds podcast, the Nerd Nerd podcast, and they were talking about buys and sells. And Dynasty Rich said he'd be uh, perfectly happy if he could, you know, go trade Gronk for Mike Gesicki. You know, Gronk's coming off a huge game. You know, trade a, a, in a tight end premium, trade a, a high second, late first, future, you know, 23 maybe uh, to get Gesicki because he, you know, Gesicki's a talented player, but I think Flores, much like Belichick, is not beholden to our uh, fantasy teams. Yeah. I mean, I've never been a big fan of Gesicki, so I'm not necessarily worried about him because I didn't even have him that high. I, I don't – I've said I, – I mean – it's only two weeks, so I, I don't want to victory lap my way around this right now, but I've been worried about Tua, and he hasn't shown me anything to not be worried about him right now through uh, through week one at least. So I, I've, I've said from the beginning, and I know, Matt, you agreed with me, and I'm almost positive, Dennis, you did too. I thought Jalen Waddle was the perfect pick for that team because of the way he works with Tua, uh, and I think Waddle's going to be the guy. I, I don't want anybody on this offense outside of Gaskin right now. I just don't. I don't think any of these guys are going to be that good. I know New England has a good defense, 
But you know what? So does Buffalo. So I really don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game, uh, and I don't expect anybody on this offense to do really much of anything outside of probably Gaskin. He is the only player on this offense. I, I mean, if you're in Superflex, you're starting Tua. But it, in regular, just strict one QPE leagues, I think the only player on the Dolphins side of playing is Gaskin, and that is it. I don't know who I want to pick yet, so I'll let you guys go first. I'm taking the Bills. I'm taking the Dolphins. I think I'm going to take the Bills, too. I have them high in the AFC. I don't think I can have them starting out 0-2, so uh, I'll, I'll rock with with Buffalo here. Next up, the 0-1 Patriots versus the 0-1 Jets. Matt, what will the backfield split be for the Patriots, and do you trust Damian Harris? I thought Harris looked good when he got a chance last week. It was an unfortunate fumble, but as we said, Ramondre Stevenson put one on the ground too. I think he still ends up getting a lion's share of the carries. The big concern is will he get passing work, which seems a little bit doubtful, but even more of a concern, will he get opportunities for touchdowns? So I think that holds him back a little bit. You know, it was it, – it would have been interesting to see if there had been – you know, I don't know, a quarter and a half left in the game when Harris fumbled to see if Belichick would have went to back to Stevenson uh, because, you know, once Stevenson fumbled, uh, he went MIA. And that's something you see a lot with rookies, uh, not just from Belichick, but from a lot of coaches. I do think Harris is the lead dog, but I also think that Belichick doesn't have any issue whatsoever sitting him down if all of a sudden Ramondre Stevenson holds onto the ball and is tearing off big chunks. Belichick will just keep playing him, and, you know, it is what it is. That's the way that team is built. Yeah, I like Harris. I was all in on him last year. I uh, made a couple of trades to get him in some bigger leagues because I thought he'd be the guy this year. My biggest concern is going to be continuing to be the same thing. I just I don't know what how much work he gets in the red zone. I think he's clearly the guy between the 20s, and you're going to have to hope he scores a touchdown somewhere in there because I think his touchdown upside is limited. So you're always, I think, going to be looking at likely an RB2 week from him every single week. I, I don't think he ever gets into that RB1 territory because he's also limited a little bit in the reception area as well because of James White. Uh, but I think he's going to be consistent. I would not be surprised if we don't see 11 to 14 points from him every single week outside of not scoring a touchdown. Like I think he's going – he's a very good running back. He just doesn't get the volume in the red zone, and I think that's what's going to end up hurting him or never really allowing him to be that RB1 Matt, well, he may get he may get start to get the volume now with Cam gone, so we just have to kind of wait and see. And it's funny you should mention you like him. He is on the block in DQL. I don't really have much in in, in DQL, unfortunately. I don't even think my team's that good. So, uh, Dennis Mackay Becton is out. Should we be worried about the Jets' offense going up against this Patriots defense? Uh, we were worried last week with Becton in there, so. We should be worried whether or not uh, Zach Wilson uh, lives through the week. Uh, you know, my my only note that I made here was uh, now that they've lost Becton, uh, pray for Zach Wilson. Yeah, to answer the question at the bottom, I would pick Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, him. as much as I love Deontay Johnson, you cannot start him over Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, or D Hop, especially not with. 
I mean, I, I, I honestly, we talked a little bit about it Wednesday. Ma- Matt and myself did. Uh, we think that the Chargers Cowboys game is likely going to be, if not the highest scoring game, right there with Chiefs Ravens. So I don't think you can sit anybody in that game. Congratulations on your embarrassment of riches. You have three know, top, just, top ten receivers and a, a wide receiver too. You unfortunately can't play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am First world problem. Yeah, I am worried about. Back in the the chart, the Jets only had 45 yards rushing on 17 carries against the Panthers. I think the Patriots front is going to help hold that in check. If you can't run the ball, that makes it even more pressure on a rookie quarterback. Belichick has a pretty darn near perfect record uh, going up against rookie quarterbacks in their first time facing him. Uh, so probably not a great game for the Jets. But he's actually yeah. only like. Two and three versus rookie Jets quarterbacks. Probably not a good game for the Jets. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't expect them to. Uh, they really didn't look good last week against Carolina, and I still think that defense is suspect. It was really kind of the fourth quarter that uh, Zach Wilson started to look good and bring them back. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think low-scoring day for the Jets. I'm not playing anybody in this game if I can, including Corey Davis. I think he has a chance to get shut down in this one. I will take the Patriots. Who are you guys picking? Patriots for me as well. Yeah, I'm taking the Patriots. The 1-0 49ers at the 1-0 Philadelphia Eagles. Matt, what will the split in the backfield be for the 49ers? Do you trust Elijah Mitchell this week? I mean, it probably I really should have written, do we trust Kyle Shanahan's running back rotation this week? And that's no. uh, yeah, that's always a gamble. But I do like Elijah Mitchell the best out of this potential committee. I thought he was the guy that got the first opportunity when Mostert went out last week, and he made the most of it. He didn't do anything that would make you think they're going to have second-guessing. Trey Sermon was clearly behind Hasty and Mitchell. Uh Going into week one, I think he will be active. I'll be curious to see if he gets some carries, but I like Mitchell to do pretty pretty well this week. Yeah, I, I think Mitchell is going to lead the team in carries and snaps. Um, he's probably looking at 50, 55%. You know, they're they're going to rotate regardless. I, I do think that from a pure ability standpoint that Sermon's a little more talented than Mitchell. He's got a little more wiggle to him. Uh, Sermon's thing has always been health, and I think that's one of the things that uh, you know, Mitchell has over him. And I, I think if it, you have to be wary of a Kyle Shanahan backfield. It's Shanahan, Belichick, you know, and I think we're getting ready to add Cully to that list as well. Um, it, it's just – yeah, you look at it and go, well, if they just give somebody the chance to be the guy, it's going to be phenomenal. But they let somebody go out the first two series, they'll run the ball for 13 times for 78 yards and a touchdown. And then they give the ball to some other back for the next two series and then to a third back for the next two series after that. And it's like, what the hell? So, no, I don't trust that. I feel like it should be like a 60, 30, 10, but it'll probably be like, a, you know, 50, 35, 15, something stupid. 
Yeah, I actually think Sermon's going to end up taking over. I just think he's the better running back. I mean, we talked a little bit – or I talked a little bit about this with someone offline the other day. You know, it, it's not even the Ohio State part of it. I mean, they drafted Sermon in the second round. They drafted Elijah Mitchell in the sixth. Sermon was the third round? I thought he was the second round. Regardless, three rounds ahead of Elijah Mitchell. If they liked Elijah Mitchell that much, they wouldn't have drafted him in the sixth round. I know he went out there and had a great day, but you know what? I've also seen him. I'm trying to think of a, you know Brandon Bolden, I think. is No, it wasn't Brandon Bolden. Who was it for the Patriots? There was a running back who went out for the Patriots and had a four-touchdown day and then was never heard from again. Like sometimes running backs still out right. there. What? Yeah, Gray. There we no, go. There great. we go. Yeah, We see running backs can go out there at times and have success. I don't think it's unkind to say Detroit's run defense is not the best. Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion, is one of the best when it comes to scheming running backs. Elijah Mitchell had a great day, and I don't want to take that away from him. Trey Sermon is the better player. He just is. And if he's out there, I think he's going to take control of that backfield. I will say, having watched uh, Kyle's father, from whom he learned from for many, many years, Mike was the master of taking sixth and seventh round backs and ending up with them, ending up ahead of the higher profile backs. Terrell Davis was one of those taken at the end of the sixth round. Everybody thought he was going to be an afterthought and they liked what they saw in camp. They gave him opportunities and he seized those opportunities and went on to have a hall of fame career. Well, then can well, you have Mike give Kyle a call? And that's what I was about to say. Give, I mean, give, give one of the dudes the job so we I, know I, certainty. But you can't be sure it's not gonna be Elijah Mitchell. After Raheem Moster went out, Elijah Mitchell had nineteen carries. Jamichael Hasty had three. They play. rotated him in. But those two guys were ahead of Trey Sermon. Watch Trey Sermon be a game day inactive again. Let's see. I, my my thing with that is draft capital and scarlet and gray blinders. Why do you No, it possible. really doesn't matter. The Why Ohio State thing doesn't matter. I didn't so even much, think Fox. I didn't Why think you I should love Trenton Cannon so much. Trenton Cannon. Yeah, that the 49ers signed Trenton Cannon. Now, oh, I wasn't even that big a fan of Trey Sermon. He wasn't up in my top. I don't even I had him behind Jamar Jefferson, who went in the sixth round. Like I, I but I think Sermon is better than Mitchell. You can't out carry someone if you're not on the team at the moment. I I don't know what to believe with that stuff because that's the other thing. Kyle Shanahan just yesterday was sitting here. Brandon Ayuk's never going to start with us again, almost. And then today he backtracks like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to be our starter. Like, Kyle Shanahan's an idiot. I, I hate to say that. He he's very frustrated. joke he's- about Jimmy G dying over the offseason. Exactly. Like, I, I think he is trying to be way smarter than he needs to be. He's a great offensive mind. And I think he's trying to outsmart other people. And he's outsmarting himself. If Sermon plays, I just I think Sermon is the better talent, and he's going to end up taking uh, and running away with that backfield. Uh, Dennis Jalen Hurts looked great in Atlanta. Do you think that continues here against the 49ers? You know, I, I gotta say, I believe I might have miscalculated in uh, the effectiveness of that homeless-looking dude Nick Sirianni being the head coach. He put together a hell of a uh, a hell of a game plan. He seems to really be playing to Jalen Hurts' strengths. We know Hurts can run. Hurts isn't a great anticipation thrower, but he, Sirianni is scheming guys open, giving Hurts the chance to see people open to make throws. Uh, I know that the San Francisco defense is a little bit better, okay, a lot better than the Atlanta defense. 
But I, I feel like with Miles Sanders and the tight ends, uh, Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, they, they've got the weapons and their their offensive line, when it's clicking, it's really good. It just, because of injuries and whatnot, it, it struggles a lot of the time. But if they can pull it together against San Francisco and give Hurts an opportunity, I I, I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to eat crow on my Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni takes. Yeah, I, I said earlier this week, Hurts looked a lot better than I expected, but the Atlanta defense is somewhat of a rumor. So the big question this week is going to be that Philadelphia offensive line, as Dennis pointed out. They have some decent weapons, and we've seen what Hurts can do if he has time. San Francisco's defense is a little bit weaker on the back end, but they have a very strong front seven. If those guys get home and can cave that line in, it's going to be a long day for Hurts. If that line can hold up, I, I see no reason why he's not going to have a measure of success. Yeah, I think he's going to be just fine. I'm pretty sure we both had him in our top 10 this week for our weekly rankings at quarterback. You know, I, I said from the the beginning, I, I wasn't worried about Sirianni because I'm someone who, as much as I podcast, when it comes to public speaking at times, I can get a little nervous, and I felt like that's what he was doing. And our biggest question was, could he work well with Hurts? As Dennis mentioned, it seems like he is doing a good job of leading or showing what Hurts can do successfully and basing the plays on that. I think that continues while he may not have quite the game that he had uh, Sunday against the Falcons, I think he is going to be a weekly starter at quarterback for me moving forward. I am going to take the Eagles to win this game, actually. Matt, how about yourself? In the 49ers. Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a game you got back, guys. You're welcome. The 1-0 Raiders versus the 1-0 Steelers. Matt, Josh Jacobs is out. Big game for Kenyon Drake incoming, and the Raiders receivers exploded in the second half on Monday night. Do you think we will see um, that happen as well on the short week? You would think they brought in Kenyon Drake, who got the biggest contract for any free agent running back this offseason, so that he would be the prime guy in this scenario. And then John Gruden today talked about how much he was looking forward to seeing Peyton Barber. So I was a little hesitant about Raiders running backs against a stronger Pittsburgh Steelers front before they started talking about Peyton Barber, but I'm definitely uh, pausing on any excitement for Kenyon Drake. I think he probably, if you're lucky, is an RB3. In terms of receiver, I loved what I saw from Brian Edwards. I would like to see it for one more week before I'm trusting it. If I'm in a deeper league based on the volume and the role, receding hairline Hunter Renfro is a deep league flex option for me. Yeah, Renfro is just that guy who's always open. There's there's guys like that all over the league. Cole Beasley, Jamison Crowder, uh, somebody else is just on top of my brain, but I forgot who it was. But they, they just seem to keep getting open. Now, they're not going to gain a lot of yards, uh, but it is what it is. I, I agree. I, I want to see, you know, Brian Edwards needs to come to life more than with five minutes left in the game in overtime. He, he had a, a good stretch, but we need to see more out of him. Um, and I don't know if that's David Carr or if that's, you know. It's probably not David Carr, maybe Derek Carr. Wh- whichever. They're the same. I mean, Derek Carr's been a little bit more successful. Well, he hasn't taken the beating. Uh, anyways, no, you know, I, I like, I like what they're trying to do. 
uh, with their wide receivers. By that, I mean use them. Uh, but still, what did uh, Waller have? 19 targets, 20 targets? Yeah, 19 targets. Man, I, as much as I want to say that's not going to happen again, I, I think it's a, it, it almost feels like it's one read, where's Waller? If Waller's not the first read, it's like I know where he's going to be, so I'm going to throw it there. Uh, as far as Drake goes, I, you know, it's going to be a tough game, but Drake is going to be the guy. Uh, Barber is going to be the backup, and he's going to get he's going to play, just because that's how teams nowadays distribute touches at running back. So Barber is going to get thirty percent, forty percent. Uh, of the touches and snaps, and, but Drake is so much more dynamic and a better pass catcher. I, I if I'm going to get a you know top thirty running back game out of Kenyon Drake this week against the Steelers defense, I'm in for that. Yeah, I think Drake will probably be an RB2. I think he's going to get a lot of checkdowns. I don't buy into the Peyton Barber thing. Now, watch Barber go out there and get like 25 carries. But I I, I do For think Drake's going to Yeah, I think Drake's going to be the guy. And because they'll likely be behind, I think he's going to get a fair amount of receptions. I actually think this could be the Brian Edwards game. I, I think that the Steelers are going to do everything they can to shut down Waller. I would play Edwards in my flex. And I know that that is, you know, you know, when you need a single to win a game and you're going for the home run, might end up backfiring on you here a little bit. But I, I think that the Steelers are going to do everything they can to stop or slow down Waller. Uh, and I think that leads to someone else blowing up. I think that's going to end up being Brian Edwards. Dennis, on the Steelers side here, we saw them win a week one, but it wasn't necessarily an impressive start uh, for the Steelers offense or for Najee Harris. Uh, do you think that he takes off this week, though, against the Raiders? Well, define takeoff. I think he's going to – he's A hundred rushing yards because he got, like, what, 30 in week one? Like, let's Four, go 50. 45. 45. Okay, let's go 60. Can he get to 60 rushing yards? Yeah, he can. He's okay. he's going to dominate the touches from the running back position. Uh, he, he's They use him in the passing game. There's no, there's no situation like in San Francisco. You know Najee Harris is the running back in Pittsburgh. Um, their offensive line right now is struggling, and they're going to have to figure out how to compensate for that, whether that's two tight ends, whether that's just more time for the offensive line to gel, whether it's bringing in a veteran that can help stabilize it, uh, whether it's Ben getting rid of the ball quicker so that they can move the chains uh, to allow them to, to run on first or second or third down. Uh, you know, they've got to, they're going to have to do some of that stuff, but will, will their offensive coordinator do that, be that flexible? Or is he like, well, my game plan is what my game plan is. And I believe it's going to be successful. Now, that's the, that's the bugaboo most OCs struggle with. So uh, I think I'm in on Harris. I, I expect him to get 20 touches again and maybe seven targets. Yeah, I mean, Harris had 16 carries, and they only had 32 pass attempts, even though they were trailing last week. I think Harris gets over 20 carries. I think he has his first 100-yard game, and I suspect he gets a touchdown. 
Yeah, I'll keep it short and simple here. Tyson Williams went off against the Raiders. I think it's fair to say Najee Harris much better. Uh, I think he goes 120-plus two touchdowns. I'm all in on Najee having a big game this week, and I'm taking the Steelers, unfortunately, to move to 2-0. and I'm also taking the Steelers. Me as well. The 1-0 Saints at the 1-0 Panthers. Dennis Juwan Juwan Johnson, right? Is it Juwan? Not Juwan. Juwan Johnson. Juwan, Juwan Johnson. Juan Johnson went for two touchdowns in week one. Is he a good tight end to start this week? So, Troutman played 82% of the snaps and had twice as many targets as Juwan Johnson, who played 19% of the snaps. Maybe, but that's you know, that that's the type of efficiency that makes A.J. Brown go, wow, that's good. So... I have some concerns about that. You know, they uh, Troutman was open in the back of the end zone a couple times. And they just didn't connect. The passing game was weird last week for the Saints. You know, what Jameis threw for 149 yards and five touchdowns. So it, it wasn't, it, it's tough to get a real read on the situation. Uh, I know in the Jimmy Buffett division group chat, Matthew Berry dropped at the Saints were high on Juwan Johnson even before uh, the season started. So they're going to use him. It just, it's, can he execute and turn those limited touches into fantasy points? I'm not expecting him to have the type of game he did last week, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised with, you know, three for 25 and one touchdown. I don't know that I'd count on two. So, you know, he could have a 10 point game. Uh, but I, I think that uh, Adam Troutman is is the guy you want at the tight end position there. Um, if you're looking for stability, Juwan Johnson is the Hail Mary, start him on Monday night because I need 20 points kind of tight end. I mean, last year I think we saw Jared Cook was a guy that didn't have a huge role between the 20s, but they rolled him out in the red zone and they were looking for him there. It seemed like that is the kind of role where Jawan Johnson has found himself with the way the fungible way tight end position is uh, a guy who's getting red zone looks is somebody that I'm wanting to take a chance on. So I would take a swing. Yeah, I think he still has a shot to be like a tight end. I mean, you know, I feel like we talk about this every week. We mentioned the the splits here and tight end ones and twos is not really a massive gap, but with, with James Winston throwing the, excuse me, with James Winston throwing the ball as much as he does, and the fact that, as Matt just mentioned, they tend to use him in the red zone, I think I'd take a shot on him. I don't believe I have him in my top 24, though, at tight end this week. So you've got to be low end at tight end to use him. I, I, I'm also someone who punts tight end a lot, so I I, I still didn't go for him on my waiver wise. I said, may I, you know, I take all that back. I need to see it for one more week before I believe in him because I've seen a bunch of tight ends go off for like massive weeks and then do absolutely nothing again and they're out of the league like three weeks later. Matt Darnold got revenge against the Jets, but plays a tougher defense this week. What do you expect from him and the Panthers' offense? I thought he looked decent in week one, and I expect that it will continue. It helps when you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey. I think they're going to lean on Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and this, the Saints, 
they had a couple of defenders end up on IR. They have seven coaches now who are out with COVID. They're on the road. Um, I think they may be a little bit off of where they were last week. I, I think Darnold's going to play well at home. Yeah, I, Darnold is an okay quarterback. He He's kind of Teddy Bridgewater, but with – uh, lower low end and a higher high end. But I don't think you can expect, you know, consistent QB1 games out of him. He's a QB2 uh, ceiling. Even with the weapons that he has, I, I just don't think he elevates. But Christian McCaffrey dominates so many touches that it's it, it's tough to say, well, I, I'm going to – and even when McCaffrey was out, they ran that offense the same way with Mike Davis and – uh, the guy who vultured Mike Davis, uh, who I don't remember right now. So they, they run the offense through Christian McCaffrey, rightfully so. So I'm not I'm not going to have Darnold too high. He's a, he's a mid to low end QB two uh, at best. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the Saints defense is quite as good as the team that just held Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to three. Uh, but I definitely think they are probably middle tier, if not a little bit better than that. Darnold did not have to play that good of a defense there in week one. I expect him to regress a little bit this week. Uh, it's just CMC and DJ more for me. Those are the only two I trust playing right now. Darnold I have as a, as a back-end QB. And I will take the uh, Saints to win this game. I have the Saints as well. I'm taking the Panthers. The 1-0 Denver Broncos at the 0-1 Jacksonville Jaguars. Matt, do we expect Cortland Sutton to have a bigger game now with Judy out? Really like to have him have a bigger game, but I think first and foremost they're going to run with Gordon and Javante Williams, and I'm fairly confident that Fant is going to be a big target. He was week one. Sutton could could be there. We saw the Texans have success going over the top with uh, Brandon Cooks. It seemed like Bridgewater was a little more conservative, which makes me think it could end up being more Tim Patrick, but I'm hoping for bigger things from Cortland Sutton in week two. I mean, can he have a smaller game? I mean, not by much. I mean, he could have zero catches. So I, I think he'll have a better game as he just. It <laughs> just sounds so defeated. He's like, got zero catches. Well, I have like 75 shares of Cortland Sutton. And I no. rotated a few of them to the bench. No, I, I think Sutton is going to be fine. Uh, it, it's going to come, especially against Jacksonville. It, it's a get-right game. Uh, we saw what Houston did to them. And, yeah, I know they've got uh, Gordon and uh, uh, Javante Williams, but they're going to want to pass the ball a little bit just because they can. I think Cortland Sutton's going to be just fine. We got to give him a little bit of time to come back from this ACL. We've seen a lot of players this year seem to be kind of taking a little bit longer to bounce back from that. I think Sutton will be fine. Maybe uh, This is, as Dennis just mentioned, the perfect get-right game going against a, a bad Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Dennis, we saw James Robinson uh, behind Carlos Hyde last week. Do you think that shifts this week? And if not, are we worried about uh, Robinson moving forward? I am not worried. Uh, Robinson actually outsnapped Carlos Hyde 64% to 34%. So they trust Robinson to be in there. The touches are going to come. The game flow is going to be there. Hyde is going to play a role. Uh, you know, we know from going back to Urban's college days, he likes to use multiple backs. 
And so he's going to, I mean, virtually every team except Carolina uses multiple backs. So, yeah, Hyde is going to get some run. Is he going to continue to match uh, Robinson's touches on a two-to-one snap deficit? I don't think so. So, Hyde, you know, I'm a Buckeye. I love El Guapo. You know, he holds a place near and dear in my heart. But James Robinson is just a better running back right now. Undrafted free agent or not, he's a better running back. So I I think it'll be it's gonna be fine. James Robinson will get, you know, fifteen. Carlos Hyde will get seven. They'll move on. Again, if you were the coach of the Jaguars, I'd feel better. But uh, sadly, Urban Meyer is the coach of the Jaguars, and that doesn't instill me with confidence at all. We also are seeing them go against a Denver front that bottled up Saquon Barkley pretty well in week one. Um, hobbled Saquon Barkley. Hobbled Saquon Barkley is better than a full-strength James Robinson. So I, you know, I don't think their line is great. It also seemed like Hyde got more run when the Jaguars were behind, which I think could be the the case on Sunday. I'm not starting Robinson this week. I do hope that it turns around and we we start seeing some of the James Robinson we saw last year because he was one of the few bright spots for the Jaguars la- last year. I really liked him and I'd like to see him have continued success. Uh, yeah, I think Robinson will be fine in about week four when Urban is heading to Southern California to be the head coach of USC. Until then, I'm not 100% sure. And I I think he'll be fine. I, I do agree with Dennis. They're going to continue to use Hyde. Um, and I, I, I'm with Matt, though, on this. I'm not starting Robinson this week because that Denver defense is very good. But as I've mentioned last week when we talked a little bit about this, I'm going to continue to say I think at this point in their careers, Robinson is better than Hyde. Urban Meyer is eventually going to start leaning uh, heavier on Robinson. As Dennis mentioned, he was out there more often. I just I don't think this is going to be the week, unfortunately, with, with that Denver front. And I'm taking the Broncos uh, to win this game. I am too. As am I. The 0-1 Vikings versus the 1-0 Cardinals. Dennis, do the Vikings even have a chance in this game, and what would it take for them to win it? No, and a miracle. Yeah, they. We saw what Chandler Jones did to uh, Tennessee's offensive line. Uh, he, the Atlanta offensive line, said, "Hold my beer." Right. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you guys. And Washington, Minnesota is going to go out there and blow them out. On Arizona's side, uh, the Cardinals' offense was hot in Week One. Matt, can the Vikings slow them down? I'm going to again say no. The Vikings did not have a good defense last year and did not show that they uh, had demonstrably improved. Chase and Higgins looked pretty good. They also got blown up on the ground, so I think it's going to be a good day for Hopkins, for Edmonds, and for a lot of the pieces there in Arizona. Yeah, I'm uh, in on Arizona and their ability to score and uh, their ability to not let Minnesota score. So the only thing I think that might – limit some of the fantasy production will be if Arizona gets out early and then they start just hammering the ball with Connor um, and, and Chase Edmonds. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think the the only thing with that is if they do do that likely means DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray have already just, uh, have already just smashed for your fantasy lineup. So you should, uh, you should be good. I'm taking the Cardinals to win this game. I'm also taking them. Yeah. The 0-1 Falcons at the 1-0 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Matt, the Falcons look bad in week one. Do you 
trust any of their pieces in week two? And are you starting Ridley, Pitts, Davis, or Ryan? I mean, I can see if you want to take a swing on Pitts. I personally am not starting him. Ryan, I'm certainly not starting Davis because the Buccaneers have a really good rush defense. We saw what they just did to Ezekiel Elliott in the better offensive line. Um, Ridley, I'm, I'm, I am still starting in a couple of places, but I have really moderated expectations. Yeah, I think you, it's the same with Pitts. I, if, if you have Pitts, I mean, you drafted Pitts early. So, you know, what are your other options? I mean, all things considered, you expect that Atlanta is going to be throwing the ball regardless of uh, their ability to protect the quarterback. They're, they're not going to – I mean, they can't just run it three times and punt on every possession. So they'll they'll throw the ball. Uh, who knows? They might surprise. I'm not expecting it. But I, I would expect a little production from uh, uh, Pitts and, and Ridley. Yeah, Matt, we talked a little bit about this on Wednesday when we did our rankings. I still have Ridley fairly high and Pitts. Uh, with the injuries in the Buccaneers secondary, I think that they're going to be behind the whole game. They're going to pass the ball a lot. I think both those guys uh, can at least put up a little bit of points. I, I expect Tampa Bay to win this fairly easily, but Atlanta will still try and at least stay in it. Will that get them the points garbage time? I, I truly hope so. Dennis, will the Buccaneers get Mike Evans involved this week? Yes, question mark, exclamation point, period. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I mean, I don't <laughs> – I mean, I, honestly, I think the guy that – I think it's a Ronald Jones game. Col- color me an idiot if you want. But they're going to – I feel like it's it's a situation where they're going to get up and they're going to kill the clock, run the ball. Um and after fumbling last week, I could see Arians going, hey, kid, let's get in there and build your confidence and, and run the ball. Um, you know, because Fournette doesn't have confidence issues. Um, Fournette's just not explosive, uh, but he's serviceable all around. So I, I feel like it's a, it's a game where they're going to let uh, – if they get up, they're going to let Jones run the ball. And, and see if he can get through the game without turning it over uh, and probably not throwing the ball. When they get up, I don't think there's going to be a problem getting a lead. Um, I think after getting Brown and Godwin and Gronkowski off to great starts last week that I think Brady will try to get uh, Evans off to a good start this week. He's the kind of guy that likes to spread it around and make sure everybody's in it and, you know, mentally, mentally in it. And so I think they will make a point to try to get Mike Evans some red zone targets at least. Yeah, I think the only wide receiver I'm trusting this week is Mike Evans because of that. I think Tom Brady is going to like over, uh, over adjust and, and ended up targeting Mike Evans a ton because he did absolutely nothing in week one and all the others did. I am taking yeah. the Bucks to win this game. Yeah, the guy with the supermodel wife and seven Super Bowl rings is notorious for overcompensating. Oh, man. I'm taking the Buccaneers too. Wrong. Me too. You're not wrong. The 0-1 Cowboys at the 1-0 Chargers. Matt, no Michael Gallup. Does that do anything or does that change anything for Dallas? 
Uh, you might see them use the tight ends or Tony Pollard a little bit more, but I mean, we really saw Gallup kind of went out in the middle of that game. Cooper and Lamb are the top two people in the in the passing game. They might try to run a little bit more and establish Ezekiel Elliott a little bit more, uh, but I think it's really those those two guys are the primaries in the passing game, and then you're probably starting Zeke uh, and the rest of them. Somebody's going to have a good game, and it's going to be hard to pick. I don't think it changes anything from the perspective of Cooper and Lamb or Elliott. You know, those guys are the guys. They'll take the seven targets that uh, Gallup was getting. Wilson will get a couple. Noah Brown will get one or two each tight end, and, and Pollard will get a, a target or two extra. So it's it doesn't really change. It doesn't change their game plan. Yeah, I don't think it changes much. I mean, Cooper and Lamb were the guys. I think they're going to feed Zeke a lot this week. Uh, I don't think it really changes much of anything for the Cowboys. Still one of the better offenses. I think all those players will be fine. Dennis, will the Chargers get Austin Eckler more involved in the passing game this week against the Cowboys? They've got to, don't they? I mean, dude caught close to 100 passes or 100 passes last year. I mean, he's good at it. I'd like to think that. I get you're a brand new coach and you've got innovative ideas, but why don't you like throw the ball to the guy on your team that catches the ball really, really, really well. Uh, You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I I think some of last week uh, might've just been the way game script was going, but I, I got to believe they're going to get Eckler involved in the passing game. I refuse to believe they won't. Yeah, he had good chemistry with Justin Herbert at the end of last year when they were together. I think he's working himself back a little bit from injury, and last week was an aberration. I expect him to get more than the zero targets he got in week one. I expect him to get more than zero targets as well. I'm picking the Chargers to win this game. Chargers for me as well. How about those future NFC champion Cowboys? Report just came out. Peyton Barber will be the lead back for the Raiders this week. I believe it when I see it. Well, I mean, I will you too. Don't, but... You don't want to change up Drake's role because he's really good at it, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's 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 a John Grudenism for you. The 0-1 Titans versus the 1-0 Seattle Seahawks. Matt, the Titans looked lost in leak in in leak one in week one. Can they get Julio Jones they and Derrick Henry going? They were leaking a lot of offensive points. Can they leak some offensive points against the Seahawks this week? Uh, I think they will try to, to to get Julio going. It'll be interesting to see. He got called out by his coach very publicly, whether that lights a fire under him or causes a little bit of animus. But as we talked about earlier, a new a receiver coming over to a new team, a guy who also is banged up in training camps, can take some while for some chemistry. They need to get more out of Derrick Henry if this offense is actually going to have a chance in Seattle. Yeah, they're, the, the running game has to do this week what I expected it to do last week, which was to run the ball with Derrick Henry and keep the other team's quarterback off the field. Uh, I think if they can't do that, uh, Russell Wilson's on a mission this year, I think, and uh, it, it could get uh, it could get ugly. Uh, so yeah, I 
trying to think of if I think Julio can do this or not. I, I, against the Seattle defense, I don't know that Julio is really going to do much. I really don't think Derrick Henry is going to get going that much either because I think Seattle is going to jump up on him. And as we saw last week, when uh, when they got up on the Titans, they really kind of abandoned. When the Cardinals got up on the Titans, they kind of gave up on, on running the ball with Derrick Henry. I don't think he's going to get a lot of passing yardage in this one. So I don't think either one of them have really good games this week. Both of them are, are ranked fairly low in their position rankings for me. Uh, Matt, Russell Wilson threw four touchdowns in week one. While the Titans secondary got torched by the Cardinals, will this be a big game for DK Metcalf this week? Yeah, you know, you saw DeAndre Hopkins light them up last week. I think uh, Lockett had a good game. He'll still be involved. But I I would suspect we get some big plays from DK Metcalf. I expect DK Metcalf to have a pretty good game as well. We've seen really in the past couple years, Tyler Lockett has been kind of like, Either or. He's had one good game, one bad game, one good game, one bad game. Dennis, you have any thoughts? That could be too much for him. We may have lost Dennis. I am taking the Seahawks to win this game. What about you, Matt? I am taking the Seahawks as well, and Dennis was taking the Seahawks. All right, the Sunday night football game likely going to be one of the best games of the weekend. The Ravens, the 0-1 Ravens versus the 1-0 Kansas City Chiefs. Matt, the Ravens surrendered a lot of passing plays to the Raiders. Does that mean a big game for Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey this week? Yeah, I mean, those 19 uh, targets to Darren Waller probably had uh, Travis Kelsey fired up. They also allowed quite a few plays uh, to receivers, so I think it's going to be the big three again for the Chiefs. Agreed. Uh, I mean, this is likely going to be a very high-scoring game. I I think that the Ravens are going to uh, be passing the ball a lot and trying to get up on the Chiefs. We saw the Browns had a pretty successful run attack against them. I think the Ravens will have that as well. Expect this to be a high-scoring game. I do think that – I think that both are going to have a really good game. I I really think, you know, every week you're starting Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey no matter what. They could be going up against the 85 Bears. You're starting all three of them. Matt, what about uh, the Ravens? They elevated Devonta Freeman. What do we expect from the backfield with Tyson Williams, Latavius Murray, and now Devonta Freeman? Yeah, kind of a mild surprise. Devonta Freeman's the one that got the nod over Le'Veon Bell. Um, I think a lot of people had thought this was going to be a big resurgence for Bell. It just seems like he's never going to get back there. They had a good mix with Tyson Williams and uh, Latavius Murray last week. I think that continues. Maybe Freeman ends up a little bit of a passing back, but uh, I, I think it's gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna hold to the formula that they had. I think they're gonna have to throw a little bit more to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think this could be a another big if Hollywood Brown is healthy, which let's hope. We he got moved to questionable earlier this week. I think it could be a big game for him and Mark Andrews. There's a chance Tyron Matthew might still be out, which would be good for the Ravens, I think, uh, and not having the Honey Badger back there in that defense. But I'm with you. I I really think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. If they get running, though, I still am going to be all in on Tyson Williams uh, because he just he really had good chemistry with Lamar and that, that offensive line last week. I'm not trusting Devonta Freeman at all. He looked washed last time I saw him on a football field. I don't think that changes. 
Uh, I am taking. What does that say about Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, I know. Uh, I think, man, this is going to be a tough one, but I think I'm going to take the Chiefs to win this game. Yeah, Dennis took the Chiefs too. I I think Dennis is back. He's moving. He's moving. So, Dennis, thoughts on the on the Ravens, really quick. That then give us your pick. Uh, you, you know the Lamar is going to have to be able to pass the ball uh, when it comes down to it. They're not going to have enough firepower on the ground to just run over the Chiefs uh, like they did a couple years ago. Uh, so, if they can't throw the ball successfully, then they're in for a loss. Yeah, and I think you picked the Chiefs. I uh, am declaring this my upset special. I, I, I'm taking the Ravens. Well, ain't that special? <laughs> I picked the Chiefs. Yep. So, Dennis, why don't you tell us about Flash yeah. Update Pro? Since since Matt forgot to, to tee you up for that earlier. Do you want to win your league? I know I want to win mine, and I'm going to use all the tools at my disposal. One of my favorite tools is the Flash Update Pro uh, from Football Diehards. Could help Bob Harris win fantasy championships and make his way to the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. Well, by golly, it's good enough for me. Uh, there's a full suite of tools to make you better fantasy manager. Rankings, configurable cheat sheets, mock drafts, consistency tools, target distribution, snap count, uh, all kinds of articles that are associated with it. Uh, there's DFS stuff on it. If you like to play DFS, they have uh, ownership projections and all that fun stuff. Use code Roundtable for an additional 15% off the already low price of $24. Yeah, I need to do a better job of putting like when I'm going to put transitions in the show sheet so that I don't completely skip over things because I forgot all about that. Uh, I went right into that transition into previewing uh, – week two here and completely forgot to be like, Hey Dennis, why don't you tell us about a flash pro day? So that is a hundred percent on me. Last but not least the Monday night football game, the Owen one Detroit lions versus the O in one green Bay Packers. Dennis, is there any lions receiver you would want to play and how do you feel and who do you feel safe starting for Detroit against the Packers this week? I mean, the only, I think the only lions you can start really are Hawkinson and Swift or Williams kind of in flex roles. Uh, they, for whatever reason, Jamal Williams is going to be out there and you know, be a thorn in the side of DeAndre Swift managers. So, uh, you know, if Williams keeps producing, great. But I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with it. I think it's going to be a tough game because Green Bay is upset and angry and they're going to want to put a hurting on somebody. I'd love to see the Lions get sorted out at wide receiver, but I don't think we're at that point yet where we know what's going to happen there. So it's not it's not a great week to play your Lions. That being said, you know, I think they're going to be behind and they're going to have to be going. I, I expect Williams is going to get some run, you know, against his old team. I like DeAndre Swift and Hawkinson's their target leader. So I'm still rolling those guys out. I might moderate some expectations. But, you know, tight ends and running backs did pretty well for the Saints against the Packers. I think those guys will be fine. Yeah, 100% in on Hawkinson, Swift, and Jamal, though I believe Swift is dealing with a little bit of an injury. So that does worry me a little bit. 
Jamar Jefferson, maybe? Let's see. Let's see if we can get that Jamar Jefferson breakout game this week. I'd love to see it. Uh, Matt, for the Packers side here, they looked horrible in week one. Do I mean, I know your answer, but in case you missed the Wednesday show, what do you expect from them here in week two? Uh, there is nothing better for fantasy owners than a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. I think we get a pissed off Aaron Rodgers, a pissed off Aaron Jones, and a pissed off Devontae Adams. I'm starting all three of those guys with confidence. I have them all up in, as top options at their positions this week. Uh, I don't know about anybody else. You know, they had a lot of targets to MVS. If he hits a couple, maybe that's good. Uh, but I think it's really those big three for me. I think MVS is a play that Aaron Rodgers is going to want to connect with because Rodgers knows he threw some shitty balls. And he's like, you did what you were supposed to do, and I messed up. I owe it to you to get you at least one long touchdown this game. Maybe it's not that reciprocal, but it feels like it is with Rodgers because everything for him is so personal. So I I don't think Aaron Jones is pissed off. I don't think Aaron Jones gets pissed off. He just doesn't seem to have that kind of demeanor. But Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they're pissed off. Hey, if I got hit in the nuts, I might miss my receiver too. I am all in on the top three Packers players, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones. I I hate to say this with Dennis right here, but I don't think this is going to be a game. I I think the Packers are going to go off in this game. And uh, it's going to be over by halftime, which is great news for me. It means I can go to sleep early. So – I am taking the Packers to win this game. As am I. They'll come I'm, out with kneecaps intact. <laughs> Take the Packers too. All right, so that will do it for us today. We appreciate you guys for checking in. Good luck to all of you in your week two matchups, and we will catch the three of us. We'll be back on Monday to recap the week two slate and break any other news that happens over the weekend. Everybody enjoy your weekends. We'll talk to you guys again on Monday. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop-